Welcome to the program Dying to be Famous, a series about self-transformation and personal evolution despite and also using extreme life challenges and circumstances. I'm your host for the program, Robert Coleman. Dying to be Famous, Episode 2, Moving Forward. This episode is about moving forward some way, somehow, even when serious difficulties and misfortunes beset you. There can be quite a bit that has to be done, from physical healing and rebuilding your life to profound personal changes, relationship readjustments, and so much more. In this episode, I'll consider three fundamental areas that I believe can help begin the process of moving forward when something major happens in life. The first segment, meaning, is all about making sense of a disaster, crisis, or life-threatening disease. Following that, I'll consider emotions and how interwoven they are with a person's abilities to make positive changes. Then I'll revisit the idea of ownership from my first episode in greater detail. Ownership is so important. And I also think, though, that it's only fair to tell you a bit more about myself first. After all, so far you only know me as that guy with stage 4 cancer who's making a podcast. So let's begin there. My two career aspects. Sadly, I'm now close to the end of my professional career, if not at the end. No question, I've been processing the disappointments that come with this. My intention was really never to retire. I enjoyed my work. Oh well. During my career, I had two distinct aspects and sets of skills. On one hand, I was a business consultant specializing in working with startups, entrepreneurs, and capital-raising campaigns. I had to evaluate business proposals, thousands of them help raise capital, negotiate contracts, and I sat in board meetings. It was challenging. It was interesting. It was fun. But there was an entirely different side to me that goes all the way back to when I was a teenager. When I was 18, I read a number of books on hypnosis and began practicing with my friends. This blossomed into research on hypnosis at the University of Colorado. And ultimately, when I lived in San Diego, I received a certificate in hypnosis from the Anxiety Treatment Center at age 21. After that, I really couldn't get enough classes and trainings in personal and spiritual self-development. I studied yogis, learned how to conduct biofeedback sessions, read books nonstop, studied chakras and energy work, learned spiritual counseling practices, and eventually opened my own practice working with clients. Boy, did I see some amazing phenomenon, and I have experienced so much as a result of that. You'd think that the second aspect of my life would cause me to be a very new age-ish sort of character. And yes, I've had my moments, especially when I was younger. But what has happened for me is that I've learned to be present with the enormous amount of pain and suffering in the world, particularly in these challenging times. 
I've developed quite a bit of grit and determination at this point. I don't use finger symbols, and I do not have a website with lots of violet colors and clouds. I do love and collect crystals and stones, though, so there you go, I guess. The point is, my business side informed my spiritual and transformative side, and the reverse was also true. I learned to be more observant and more compassionate in my business dealings. And then I also became more practical and action-driven with my personal clients. The business consultant really informed that part of myself that had a spiritual perspective and gave me that grounded, um, tough side that sometimes was the right thing to have, even when you're exploring spiritual principles. The world is the world, and I have learned to blend those two parts of myself pretty well now. Meaning. Immediately after my diagnosis last year, I had a terrible existential crisis. I felt like I was meaningless, as were my experiences in life. What had I been living for? What was I about? What had I accomplished? Did anything that I had done really matter? Fortunately, I moved past this grim perspective with the support of my family and through time. Also, the medications that I received caused my cancer to reduce in intensity, and that gave me the space to begin reevaluating myself in my life. You see, I do believe that life has both meaning and purpose. While it's true that we live always in the ever-present now, I also think that there's some place that we're headed and some place from which we have come. To me, the major events in life are metaphorical. They're archetypes. They're symbols to be interested in and explore. Now, you may have a different perspective, and that is absolutely fine. But in my case, the principles of purpose and meaning cause me to become a detective regarding my own disease and suffering. How did my cancer fit in with my life? What might my cancer represent as a metaphor or symbol for me? How could I use these experiences to benefit myself and my evolution as a spiritual being? It's like in judo or other martial arts where you use your opponent's energy and momentum as tools for your own victory. Instead of directly opposing the overwhelming force of my cancer, which I just felt I could not win at, I stepped sideways and started using its energies to benefit myself. To do that, I had to believe that there was meaning greater than my individual Robert Self's perspective. I had to believe that my cancer represented a massive turning point and symbolic shift in my life. What did it mean? I could fight this, or I could just go with it. I chose to go with it. Emotions and moving forward. Although, as you might imagine, I was devastated by my stage 4 cancer diagnosis, 
I eventually came around to looking at my own emotions, both on the surface and those that have been avoided or buried. You see, from my years of experience working with personal clients, unresolved emotions will interfere with almost anything a person tries to accomplish in life. In the next segment in this episode, I will talk more about the concept of ownership. But I'm here to tell you that a person is usually not able to make much personal or spiritual progress if they haven't found a way to deal with and release their negative emotions. You just can't own your experiences if you are still blinded by rage, pain, and sorrow. Some people do this through therapy. Some people pray. Others meditate. It doesn't matter how you clear up your emotional baggage, but clear it up you must. And if you are also dealing with some kind of current crisis, your work is really cut out for you. In my case, I found that I needed a team to get through my challenges, from doctors to working with a therapist, my family support. Heck, I would have included my barber in my team if I thought she could help. I definitely couldn't have moved forward by myself. More about ownership. In my first episode, I talked about my cancer diagnosis and how I decided to own my full experience, including my physical cancer, the impacts on myself, my family, and how every other aspect of my life had to be readjusted. I had to own causing myself to become permanently physically disabled, no longer able to go on long walks or do the physical things that I used to enjoy. That was a pretty tall order for me, trying to own all of that. I couldn't even have started if I'd considered that ownership was the same thing as blame. Nobody wants to take the blame for something, and that includes me. Blame has a layer of implied punishment or negation for the blame person. It isn't really a request for responsibility from the person as much as it is a form of punishment for the guilty party, intending that they experience shame. Blame really has nothing to do with fixing damages or making something better. I like to think that ownership is taking responsibility for something without wallowing in self-blame. Self-blame is a really slippery slope. I did that, and it makes me a very bad person. Self-blame causes people to feel like they're taking responsibility for their actions, but they really aren't. I prefer action steps. Yes, I did this, so here's how I'm going to handle it. Some effects, such as malignant cancer, are just too large to reverse. But you could do something. You should do something. Even if whatever happened is something that somebody else caused. For me, the approach is to own the total package of effects within a crisis event. Take the entirety of it over and put yourself into the driver's seat of the event. Now it's you steering. It's you making decisions. It's you deciding what to do. Let's go.
I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Dying to be Famous. If you like it, feel free to promote it to your friends to listen to. I'll see you next time with another episode, and until then, be well. This episode is copyright 2019, Robert Coleman. All rights reserved. Mm-hmm.